Thanks so much, Ali. My name is Peter, recovered alcoholic. Grateful to be alive and sober and part of a sacred place called Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, <clears throat> my condolences to, uh, to Don Major's family and friends and anyone out here who was sponsored by him as well. Uh, so, Ali, uh, thanks for mentioning that. And thanks for having me back. Um, we tried to do this a few times and schedules wouldn't allow. Um, I'm uh, amazed. It, you guys are still out here. It, it's been a while. Um, I think you're one of the first Zoomers. Um, I remember getting on here and having no idea what to expect doing my first Zoom. And it was like a whole few hundred people out here. It was, I always say it was like turning on the Brady Bunch after dropping acid uh, with all these boxes. But um, uh, I'm glad you guys are still out here. Uh, June 23rd, 1988 is when the loving God separated me from alcohol. I'm very uh, grateful for this gift of sobriety. Um, grateful for being a member of good standing uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous, member of good standing in my church, quite frankly. And um, on most days, getting uh, able to live in all three sides of our very rich legacy in Alcoholics Anonymous. I do have a home group. It's called Alcoholics and God in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And I do have a sponsor uh, out of St. Paul, Minnesota. His name is Bob Bazans. And I sponsor uh, about 12 men. And I'm going to have to write inventory tonight because I see two out of 12 are out here tonight. So they're going to have to do some answering tomorrow to me uh, when they know I'm out here. But, um, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, uh, um, when I get the, the uh, directions, take something from our book. Uh, pertain to the 11 step order 12 and 12 and I mean that narrows it down to a football field I mean you know what do you do and so like most times I, I go sit and ask God okay what do you want me to speak about where do you want me to go what do you need me to do I, I'll, I'll do it and I got quiet and uh, my old sponsor Mark Houston's voice came back to me and uh, he would always talk to us about where are you currently currently uh, what you did yesterday is not keeping you sober today but what where are you currently and I thought about my my journey uh, and it's been this way especially currently and that is about relationships so I guess I'll read this and then we'll we'll just kick it around a little bit and what came to me um, was what we refer to as the St. Francis prayer, although we have, I have found out he never wrote this. It was put on the back of a, a card with his picture on it, and we kind of adapted it to, as he wrote it, but he didn't. And this is what, he, what this prayer says, and it, it's, it's quite beautiful. Um, it says, Lord, make me a channel of thy peace, that where there is hatred, I may bring love. That where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness. That where there is discord, I may bring harmony. That where there is error, I may bring truth. That where there is doubt, I may bring faith. That where there is despair, I, I may bring hope. That where there are shadows, I may bring light. That where there is sadness, I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek rather than uh, to comfort rather than to be comforted to understand and to be understood, to love and to be loved. And this part I really love, for it is by self-forgetting that one finds. It is by forgiving that one is forgiven. 
And it is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. Amen. I mean, that is a lot. And the bar is raised quite high. And when it comes to looking for God and seeking God, I find out what I'm looking for. I'm actually looking with all along is just the aha moment waking up too. And the reason why uh, that is so important to me is what God put on my heart a number of years ago. And it seems to be the older I'm getting and the, the, the longer I'm sober, it has become really, really uh, right in front, really important to me. Um, and that is about uh, life and relationships and sobriety. And I'll just share with you, uh, God put this on my heart uh, a few years ago, the, the importance of relationships. For me, this whole walk in Alcoholics Anonymous is about relationships, starting with God. I remember when I was new, uh, I would do, you know, when Rome do what the Romans do, and I listened to the old timers and my sponsor, and they would tell, you know, they would share how uh, sobriety was their number one priority. And I would say that, I would repeat that. And I really meant that sobriety was my number one priority. But the truth is true until we discover a new truth. And my sobriety is obvious a priority to me. But quite frankly, my number one priority is my relationship with God, conscious contact with God, not having unconscious contact with God. Because when I'm awake to God and I'm in that kind of flow, I'm not picking up a drink. I'm not thinking about a drink or any non-conference approved dry goods. And my mind isn't taking me down some pathway that's not very spiritual, down another rabbit hole. Because we all know if we've been around here a while, alcoholism will go underground and resurface in other areas. There are all sorts of sprees will go on, a sex spree, a food spree, a money spree, a gambling spree, something. And then I emerge remorseful with the firm resolution not to go there. Relationships. How am I doing with my relationships is a question that was brought to me. I got to say, by God, it was put right here. It wasn't put in the mind because that would get filtered out. And we know the mind suffers from duality. On, on Monday, I want to be Moses. On Tuesday, I want to be Rambo. So I can't listen to that. But something speaks to the heart. And the truth, the truth will always find us. And how am I doing with my relationships? Thank the good Lord, my wife and I have a wonderful relationship. But outside of that, what does it look like? And am I telling people that I love them without expecting them to reciprocate? Am I offering an olive branch to folks who have harmed me or maybe said some bad things about me? Am I offering that? Am I willing to forgive? Am I willing to bring harmony where there's none? And I will tell you, it, it's easier said than done on certain days. It's a tall order. It's a lot of heavy lifting. But my job is to please God. And he's given me enough passion, strength, courage, direction to do that. And I'm happy to report to you, there are a few relationships out there that I thought would never, ever, ever uh, be reconciled. Uh, ever meet on even ground. And I got to tell you, they have. By practicing this in all my affairs, my home's occupations and affairs, this thing that we I get to live this sober life is so fragile. Life is fragile. Really, it hangs by a thread for me. I mean, we just lost Don a few years ago. Who would have thought this? But I'm here tonight. There's no guarantee I'm going to be here tomorrow. 
And yet what my ego wants to do is just take that for granted. And I got to report to you, I have taken it for granted. I have taken life for granted. Well, next week I'll take care of it. Next month I'll get tipped. I'll, I'll make that amends next week. I'll call Joe or Mary tomorrow. But I keep saying tomorrow, 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 and then tomorrow's today and it's too late. I don't have that kind of luxury to really appreciate this life and this sobriety that we talk about, that I get to talk about, it quite frankly hangs from a thread. And what my ego likes to do is lean on it a little bit, just push it a little bit, see how much wiggle room I have, how much I can play with it, how much I can test the waters, even on sometimes my best day. So I'm so grateful when the book says I need to be disciplined and God's going to do that for me. My walk has changed over the years. Uh, there was a point uh, in early recovery where it became a little ev evangelical, you know, uh, preaching the big book and fire and brimstone. And if you don't get it, you're going to burn in hell and all of that stuff. And, um, you know, I, I we kind of evolve. Thank the good Lord. And we grow in understanding and effectiveness. And I really believe there's, there's two phases of recovery. One is when we get in here and we're all lathered up with the book and we, we just want to tell everyone about the book and how wrong they are because they're not in the book. And then we get to a place where I get to be okay with God, which means I'm okay with me, which means that now I'm okay with you. And I get to talk about this. I get to have a conversation about this. And if you want to hitch up with me, fine. If you don't, that's okay too. We'll still have a cup of coffee. So June 23rd, 1988, I get separated from alcohol and I have no clue what, what path I'm going to go on. I just, I just needed, I knew I needed to be sober. I didn't know what that was going to look like. I had no clue about being sober. In fact, quite frankly, I didn't even know who Bill and Bob was. After seven treatment centers, I don't know who Bill and Bob are. I know nothing about the 12 steps. I saw traditions on the wall. like They could have been Latin. I mean, I don't know what to do here. All I know is I need to get on your team and stay sober. And I had no idea what doors were about to open for me. Thank you, God, and AA for that. And where I am 35 years later is a long way from my first drink at 14 years old, growing up in Brooklyn, New York, drinking cold 45 beer, getting drunk and loving every minute of it. It was euphoric. I can remember it like most of us, our first drink, like we had it yesterday. Ask me what I had for lunch yesterday. I have no clue. But I remember my first drunk and what I was experiencing. I can also tell you during those early years, I was completely fear-based and insecure and very, very attentive to what people were thinking of me. And I was a great mind reader. I knew what they were thinking about me. And if they didn't say I love me, that meant they hated me. And I walked around with this inferiority complex. I was a bright student, a good little athlete, and a gifted musician. And no matter what I did, it wasn't enough. And then I discovered alcohol, cold 45 beer, and that was it. That was the panacea for my ills, and it worked. I had no idea I was headed, uh, I got onto a road paved right to hell. That took me to jail and took me to many institutions, took me to a place of wanting to take my life. And took me to a place of nothing in me but hate and venom for everything, including God. But this forgiving God surrendered me on June 23rd, 1988, in the back of an abandoned building. And I was set on this course. And at first, the road seemed really wide and easy. 
I got away with a lot in the early days, like a lot of us did. But as I kind of moved along this journey and into recovery, the road got really narrow. But I found that in the narrowing in the road is a lot more freedom, but it's a narrow road. It's a disciplined road. I need to be disciplined to the spiritual life. I can't get away with praying whenever I want. I can't get away with making a meeting now and again and not helping people. My job is to be of maximum service to God. I have a, a bunch of friends in Alcoholics Anonymous, more acquaintances, but a bunch of friends in Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, I realized one day uh, how important they are to me. I mean, we talk on the phone and we see each other at meetings or maybe at a conference and just kind of taking it for granted. And I would meet people that would say things that were unkind, and I would see things that were unkind. And what I would do is character assassinate the person in my mind. Most of that stuff goes on inward. Outwardly, I wouldn't say it. And I go home and write a lot of inventory. And maybe during a conversation, I would say, you see what Joe did at the meeting or what Mary said at the meeting? That's not living a spiritual life. That's playing God. And I realized that had to stop. And I will tell you something else. When COVID hit, uh, it really came to the surface for me with COVID, because what I immediately do did was take a political side. How can I live a contemplative life if I'm taking sides of one against the other? And I believe, because I live in Florida, Florida would be unaffected by COVID and never shut down. We were affected by COVID and we shut down and I couldn't believe it. And I took a side. I took a political point of view on that. It's the other side who's causing it. And I have a lot of character assassination going on in my mind and a lot of grumbling under my breath. And I'm glued to the news. I'm watching the news all day long and picking sides because, as we know, the news takes a side and has you kind to join up with them? How can I find ease and comfort in that? How can I practice spiritual principles when I'm doing this? I'm ready to get on my white horse, draw the sword, and go into the crowd and fix everything. Or write really something spiritual on Facebook so everyone would like it and the world would change. And I'm reading inventory to my sponsor, and he says, stop. When did you become God? See, sometimes the truth is right in front of me, and I can't even see it. The ego won't permit me. And I say, oh, my God, I can't believe I've been doing this. You've been doing it for a while now. Your inventories reflect that. The disease and discomfort about certain people and certain things like that. And we're supposed to leave that outside. And what I had to do was stop praying for people. People I wasn't too thrilled about praying for. Praying for the suffering that's going on in the world even right now, rather than taking a side. There's so much suffering going on. So many people feel lost and abandoned in their own hometown. Instead of taking a side for that, if I really want to practice spiritual principles and all my best, if I really want to be uh, claim to be an agent for God, well, at some point, it's not so much about the drink, you know, right behind me anymore. It's about how am I living? How am I getting around with people? How am I interacting with people? What's really going on in the soul? I would love to report to you that I do this perfect because I don't. My human condition has me flawed and broken. I trip over my own feet now and again. But my goal is to play for suffering. If I'm having a problem feeling like I can't connect with God, I pray for other people. 
There's something in scripture that says uh, something like, judge not lest I be judged. So that had to stop, but I can't do it on my own. And this prayer came to me. And I started working with it. And I says, Father, I don't even, I don't know if this is where you want me to go. I certainly know I don't have the ability to live along these lines. So I'm throwing myself at your mercy. And you do with me as you want to do. You send me where you want me to send me, I'll go. You tell me what you want me to say, I will say. And whatever, however you want me to be, I will do that. I'm signing up for that. No matter how painful to any lengths are, no matter how many folks gather around me because of it. And I felt like I was putting it out there. Risky and very transparent. You know what? People start saying, I love you too, Pete. Ali says it all the time. People I would never expect to get a hug from were starting to hug. I hope to see you tomorrow. And the lesson I learned from this prayer and surrendering to God is that I need to cultivate faithfulness, cultivate faithfulness, which means when there's an opportunity to bring up God's name, I'm not going to be gun shy. I'm going to bring God's name up. And when I'm talking to a newcomer, I'm not going to hide God in the closet. When the time is right, I'm going to bring God out, especially when they ask me, how did you do what you do? I'm going to bring God's name and shout his name from the rooftops. I'm going to cultivate uh, faithfulness. I'm going to hang with people who are on a spiritual path. I'll go see the knuckleheads when they need help and they ask for help. But I'm going to hang around with people who are walking this walk and cultivate it. It's how God would want me to be. All the while, not sitting in the spiritual throne better than, but getting down and dirty with others when needed and talking about God in this walk. And I pray to God that I'm not critical and I'm not judgmental, but I can offer an olive branch. You know what it's done? It has made me incredibly free in the face of adversity, and I, I'll be completely transparent. I'm facing some, if you will, adversity. I have been. My dad is hanging by by a thread right now. I, I'm waiting for the call any day. I might lose my dad. It's killing me to watch this. He's been on and off sick, and he's just not well. He's down to 110 pounds. This was a man who was 6'6", 220, 230 in his heyday a brick wall, and he's just fading away. I got to speak to him today, and I, I, I know it's my dad on the phone, but it doesn't sound like him, and I was sitting with my wife. There's a part of me that just wants to rip a wall apart, but what do I do? I pray for my dad's suffering, that if this is the final curtain, that he meets it, embraces it, and he has courage, because I'm afraid he's afraid, and I don't know what to do. Adversity, you know, I've been in a lot of phases in the industry I'm in, and uh, it's a, a a new phase of development uh, with my company, and 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 uh, I'm back on a really really rigid strict budget again, which I don't like, and it's a little scary at times. So what do I do? I turn back to God and ask Him for courage, strength, and direction. I stop looking at what other people have. I stop looking at other people's parents who are alive and well and young while mine, my dad is not, because all that creates is envy. I need to learn to chop wood and carry water, keep putting one foot in front of the other and do as he would have me. And my wife and I now chop wood and carry water together and try to try to walk through this stuff. 
life, there's the ebb and flow in life. And, you know, I can get so bogged down with Joe came to my meeting or Mary came to my meeting and didn't cover the topic. Oh, my God. Let's run them out. They broke a tradition. Oh, my God, it's the end of the world. There's so many more important things to be concerned about and praying for. And that's one's life, our lives, on this sober walk. And I see young folks and they're having God problems when they're coming in, when, especially when I sponsor them. I keep them in my prayers that they meet God, that they have a relationship with God, because at the end of the day, it's the only power that's keeping me sober. You know, there's a lot of things we do to get to God, although there's really no destination. God's closer to my own breath. But a question was posed to me one time, Peter, are you seeking God or a spiritual walk? And I thought the right answer was seek a spiritual walk. And he said, keep coming back. And he laughed about it. Seeking God is my journey. Because a spiritual walk is a byproduct of finding God. God is in a byproduct of a spiritual walk. Our big book says, may you find him now. It doesn't say find a spiritual walk. I get on a spiritual walk, but it's God who's putting me on there. I'm doing spiritual homework, but it's God who's allowing me to do it. I'm writing a fourth step, but God's actually writing it for me. I'm sharing a fifth step, but God's giving me the courage to go share all of that stuff. And it goes on and on and on. So I need to seek God at all times. And I find myself on a spiritual walk. And thank God we have a big book. Thank God there's meetings like this that focus in on our 11th step, the growing and understanding and effectiveness, enhancing this whole walk. What does it currently look like? And it's dying to oneself that one awakens. The death of self for successful living. The death of self before the physical death so I can awaken to God. Our book talks about being rid of self, that all the self, all the manifestations of self, these are the things that are going to take me back to a drink, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. I need to get rid of that stuff. That stuff needs to die. I need to lay that in God's hands and let him do what he wants. The less of me, the more God. The more God, the less of me. I need to be willing to stand with God. You know, books to stand on the firing line of life, and God will keep me unharmed. If I'm on the firing line, I'm probably going to draw some fire now and again. But God gives me this, this, you know, that God's armor to keep me safe and protected. And sometimes when I'm standing with God, it feels like we're standing alone. We're really not. It just feels that way. So I die to self, and God, God does that for me. I'm just willing to be a participant in that journey. And it's what's unbelievable. When I'm not consumed with me and my stuff, and as an alcoholic, you know, we're always consuming ourselves. Let's not talk about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think of me? I mean, that's how we operate. Um, when I'm not thinking about me and all my stuff, I'm traveling really light. When self and all its manifestations aren't eating my lunch, I'm traveling really light. When I get really clear that it's God's money, God's job, God's relationship, God's AA, God's stuff, and I'm a steward. I need to be a good steward of that stuff, which all on loan. I'm traveling light. As soon as I make it my stuff, I'm traveling heavy. My home group, my marriage, my money. Now I'm protect and defend mode all day long. 
and I'm consumed with me. How could I forgive you? How could I bring light where there's darkness? I'm consumed with me. Last thing I'll say, I've had probably not like not unlike anyone in here. Uh, we've have our moments on the journey. The longer we're sober, we're going to have those 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 moments. Uh, health, relationships, uh, jobs, money. And when I went through my my divorce many years ago, I was so ashamed. Um, uh, being a Catholic, you're not supposed to get divorced. I'm getting divorced. And being a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, to go into a meeting and say, I'm getting divorced. I felt like I failed you. I was a failure in Alcoholics Anonymous. I failed God. I'm not a good man. I'm less than a man because I'm going through this. And it was really difficult for me to come forward with that. And it was a dark time in my life. And it felt way too transparent. I felt really weak and feeble, uh, uh, not physically, but emotionally. But when I share that stuff, I find God's light. I find God's strength. I find God's passion. I find God's willingness. I find God's courage. That has stayed with me because there have been many times over the 35 years where life takes this turn, an unexpected turn, uh, and you find yourself, you know, uh, uh, holding on real tight. But in those weakest moments, I find God's strength. And when it feels dark, I see God's light. I'm so grateful that I have a great need for God. I heard my wife Marion sharing this a few weeks ago, and she said something like, the longer she's sober, the more she needs God. I totally get that. We feel like, I feel like there's more to lose. And I really need to lean all the way into God and not just have a brief conversation with God. If I'm ever going to live up to anything like this prayer uh, talks about. And you have to be the judge of that. My wife has to be the judge of that. The people I work with, my home group, let them be the judge of that. But I'll be damned if I'll walk away from it without a good fight to live in God's light. So I chop wood and carry water, and I, I, I really, it's so important to me to walk with a forgiving nature, a helpful nature. Again, I would love to tell you to do this perfect, I don't, to offer an olive branch, and I can tell you that because I have. And a few times I've offered that olive branch, or it came in the form of, hi, how are you, with an extended hand for a handshake, and I'm waiting for this person to bite my head off. And it's like I'm closing my eyes and say, please don't hurt me. And they extended a hand back. And I did that with another person, another person. And then he would say, hey, how's it going? And suddenly, the bridge is amended. We may never go bowling together, go for lunch together. But that thing, that elephant in the room is no longer in the room. It's been discussed and it's been pushed out. To me, that's freedom. That's how my God would want me to live. He's forgiven me, I like to think, for all my misdeeds, drunk and sober. How dare I not attempt to forgive someone else for their misdeeds, drunk or sober? So I'm grateful to be out here. I hope I covered this topic. Um, 
I hope I brought an AA meeting to you. And uh, that's all I got. Peace. Come on up. Hello, friends. My name is Jason. I'm a recovered alcoholic. Um, Peter, thank you so much, and God bless you. Welcome. Um, I'm 16 months and in, uh, in this program, this wonderful program is giving me my life back. You know, this connection with God is giving me my life back. And I couldn't be more grateful to be here today, sitting here with all of you. Um, my question is, is that, you know, how do I, how, how do I continue seeking without being, you know, recognizing like that there's still bondage of self, like that it's still proportionate to my wants, my needs, you know, like, I don't know if I'm framing this properly, but, you know, I want that conscious contact because I, I know that's that relationship and cultivating that is what, is what gives me the most gifts of this program. So how do I, how do I maintain that without, you know, having, um, you know, wanting to control an outcome or wanting to, you know, wanting to have what I want when I want it, you know, like mm -hmm. you have any. Yeah, that's just, I, I, I don't have the ability to work on any of that stuff. All I can do is surrender that to God. Uh, my, my willfulness, my self-reliance, my living life on life's terms, which usually means my terms. Uh, I can't uh, uh, turn the screw this way and turn the screw that way, and I'll have utopia. It just doesn't work that way. In fact, self uh, will probably with, be with us till we take our last breath. How much of it's going to infiltrate is how much I'm willing to surrender here. The last, the other thing is, lots of times I can base on how spiritual I am based on my feelings. If I feel real happy today, I must be real spiritual. Uh, if I feel sad, I'm probably not spiritual. I had to let go of that. That's another attachment. It's just a walk. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Jason. Bob B, come on up. Hey, Bob, alcoholic from Detroit. Thanks, Peter. Always love you. You're uh, one of those guys that I hear you when you speak. You know, some people touch me more deeply than others, and you're one of them. Uh, you know, I when I first got to this program years ago, uh, you know, it, it was because I I thought religion had failed me, and you know, it's. I don't know if I just wasn't hearing, but, you know, they're kind of teaching the same stuff. You know, it, it is about relationships, you know, a proper relationship with God, a pro proper relationship with ourselves and a, a proper relationship with our fellow man. And uh, but I still struggle with that. And and I love uh, what you said, that spiritual walk is a byproduct of seeking God. And it's just man, we're here to seek. You know, we don't even have to find this. We just have to seek. We have to take the actions of seeking. But I have a question for you and ho I hope you can. Uh, try to answer it. Um, you know, it, it is about better relationships, and it is not about not not being overly judgmental or not being judgmental at all, which I, I find impossible. But I, you know, I have a pretty good uh, pr uh, handle on it with friends and sometimes people at meetings. I I struggle when a uh, family is involved, especially when it's family talking about politics and family talking about lifestyles and family talking about, you know, COVID issues and a number of things. I can, I can let it go with people that I barely know, but with family members, I have trouble letting it go. Do you have any tips on how I can make, be better at that? Oh boy, do I know that. Um, I come from an Italian background, so arguing is a, a regular occurrence. Um, acceptance of who and what they are. And then I take a 10 tradition 
in that setting. I don't get involved. But a lot of acceptance of family members who uh, uh, are saying things that are just not true or the judgmental stuff or that some of their prejudice stuff might come out, uh, their idolatry, I just accept them for who and what they are. Beautiful. Thank you very much, Bob. Dina T, good to see you. Come on up. Hello, everybody. I'm Dina, alcoholic. Thank you so much for your lead here. Can you hear me? Yep. No. Can you? A little louder. Maybe a little louder. Can you hear me? Can you Just hear a little me louder. Now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, it's good enough. It's good enough. Well, well, um, if you can't hear me, I'll pass. No, no. Try. Go ahead, Dina. Okay. I tell you what. Um, everything you said about um. Uh, about how it all the relationship with God and that conscious contact with God when we were targeting you get rolling I was like preach you're preaching to the choir over here I loved it and um if it wasn't for if it wasn't for zoom I wouldn't have been around some people that weren't um um hitting you over the head with a big book and I think I needed to be hit over the head with a big book but I don't want to hit anybody over the head with a big book so I love that how that getting that new relationship and it's not all about that so um i just love and you said harmony without expectations and relationships i love that and my work today i really i really had to have that and um um i'll uh i'll, I'll let everybody else share because i feel like you guys can't hear me <laughs> i don't know uh, all right thank you uh, thanks dina thank you very much galvin our very own. Come on up. No doubt. Hello, everyone. My name is Calvin. I'm an alcoholic, and it's good to be here. Peter, thank you so much, man. I always love when you talk, man. And, and when you touch me, and what I want to ask the question about when you touch me, but when you talk about your dad being sick, and you know, and he's, you know, he's close, and you know, and 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 you talked about his fear that was touching you. You thought he's scared. And, and, and it touched me when you said that, because the day my son, we spent the day with him, me and my wife, and you know, he just came home from prison, you know, and, and he was looking for a job. He wanted a job. And, and, um, and they do a background check and he got scared. And I got scared for him. And it was the same thing you talked about with your dad. When I get scared for him, you know, and um, and I really liked when you said that, but it touched me and let me know. You know, what I mean, that's the fear that I deal with a lot. Is because I love the people around me. If you could just talk a little about that, if you could. Thank you. Thank you, Calvin. Jackie Crayfolds, come on up. Hi, everybody. My name is Jackie and I am an alcoholic. Thank you so much, Peter, for your message today. There are so many things that you said, but the one of them that really resonated with me, if you could expand a little bit on um, the forgiveness. Um, I've been sitting in a resentment for almost three years and it's eating my lunch worse every single day. And I, and I, and listen, and I think I'm doing this and I think I'm doing that. And I just can't get beyond it. 
Um, and then, be, but before that, you know, when you were talking about your dad, my mom is also 90, she'll be 92 and she's in an assisted living. And the thing that I remember, someone said to me that every time I leave my mom, I leave her hand in God's hand. And I say that every single time I leave, I'm a couple hours away. And so when I go see her, you know, I, I do cry on the way home. Because, you know, we know. But the thing, it was such a comfort, you know, every time we leave them, we leave their hand in God's hand. And I know that. And uh, yeah, so anyway, just a little bit more in the forgiveness. And thank you so much. I had to get sick and tired of being sick and tired of someone uh, eating my lunch every day. Um, and I had to take a look at uh, in forgiveness, it doesn't mean um, that uh, we're going to be friends. Uh, it doesn't mean we're going to have lunch. It might turn into that, but sometimes I can get gun shy with forgiveness of people who've done bad things to me uh, as if they're going to take ownership of my life again. And what it is, I'm letting them off the hook and letting me off the hook. And I start to get free. And I would pray for the willingness to forgive at one point. And it just got to, uh, Father, I forgive John, I forgive Mary. And I was, it, was, it was done. But am I willing? We know what to do. We just won't do it. What's the hook? Uh, if I can elaborate a little further, um, and, and I don't know if you're experiencing this, but as an alcoholic, uh, when I'm resentful, as dangerous as that is, as deadly as a resentment is, because all are unacceptable, I have it, my mind loves it because it's activity. It loves activity. It gives me a purpose. It gives me a direction. It gives me a flag to carry. They did this to me. And if you remove that, I have no more fight. What happens to me? Bill talks about the hole in a donut. So there's actually, I kind of relish the idea of let's 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 get back at that person because they did this to me. Uh, failing to realize that God is walking right next door, right next to me. Now, there are some things that we have to take a look at in life, like some of these uh, uh, in our time, people, World War II and what happened in Germany, people who, who did that. I mean, that, that's, that's something that I leave to God. I pray for the suffering that happened because there are, there are people out there who say, how do I forgive a serial killer? How do I forgive a mass murder? How do I forgive, you know, what happened in, in, in World War II uh, uh, um, to so many folks? I just have to pray for the people who suffered. You know, God's job is to do what he wants with those other folks. Um, but I had to really bop till I drop and says enough, enough with this holding on to this grudge. I, it's too painful now. And I was set free. Wonderful. Thank you, Jackie. Uh, Rachel Kim, come on up. Hi, Rachel, recovering addict. Um, I just wanted to ask a question because I had a strong relationship with God before and I'm fairly new to like this whole AA um, stuff. And um, I just, when I hear the word God, like it's just confusing because like I was 
like I guess religious before and then now it's like more spiritual like do you have any advice for someone like me or like just new people I remember you said like a lot of newcomers question it so I just wonder if you had any advice um, can you be a little more specific on what, what the struggle is? Yeah, like when you say God, like I was used to thinking there's only one God, you know, and then now it's like God to your own understanding. And I do like that idea, but then it's like it confuses me because I'm like, I don't know who God is. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. A um, couple of things here. Uh, it, it's, it's not so uncommon what you're sharing is I pray, I ask God, please reveal yourself to me. Show me who you are. I'm lost. There's, there's a prayer by Sir, uh, uh, um, Thomas Merton. And he says, I don't even know if, I'm, if the road I'm going on is the one you want me on, but um, I, I'm feeling lost that I'm trying to carry, I'm paraphrasing it, I think I'm carrying your will, uh, the vision of your will into my activities, but I don't, I may be wrong, but I'm trying to please you. So that should please you. Ask God to reveal himself to you and then listen and look for the people who are going to show up. In the meantime, a group of drunks for good only direction is a good God to start. It's an AA meeting, a group of drunks for good only direction and pray to God, show yourself. He'll, he'll send he'll send folks in where he says, oh my God, it's God. Lose all conceptions as well. They get in the way who God is. You know, if you go to this religion, they say God's that, and they're right. And if you go to that religion, they say God's this, and they're right. And you just you go all day long doing this. At the end of the day, Mark Houston used to say, we're going up one mountain, we're all going to meet the same God, and hopefully we don't kill ourselves or each other trying to get up there. And if you look at world politics, we've been doing that forever. AA, we don't do that. Whatever your God is, is good enough. You're willing to believe in something other than you. You're on your way. Yeah, the conceptions are blocks. Wonderful. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, Raquel, good to see you. Come on up. My name is Raquel, and I'm an alcoholic. I want to say I love this meeting. Uh, I love the idea of being able to ask questions because there are so many uh, things that, but anyways, I, I thank you for allowing me to participate every week and ask a million questions. But, um, you know, Peter, you were talking about the one that I'm looking for is the one I'm looking with, right? Um, that's 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 one of the things that I wanted to ask you if, um, if you would even dare to 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 just like expand a little bit more on that, or if it's not um, a thing that can be done, do you think that that's something that we come to the realization with time as we continue to just like what you said, like stay on this spiritual walk? That's the first question. And the other one is like, you always talk about chopping wood and carry water. I teach you not, and I think I might be the only one person in the world that does not really understand what you're talking about. And I Google it a million times, and I really want to ask you, what do you mean? Yeah. Um, once we're on the spiritual walk, um, we never have to walk off of it. 
Our book says if we keep close to God and perform his work well, it provides us with what we need. He doesn't make too hard terms for those who seek him. Our book tells us this. My willingness to be close to God will keep me close to God. My willingness to carry the vision of God's will to my activities will allow me to carry the vision of God's will to my activities. Again, I want to, I need to get rid of what it's what my mind tells me the spiritual walk is supposed to look like because the mind is a liar. I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to feel this. I'm supposed to do this. I'm so that's all conjured up by the mind. And those things probably will take me away from my experience with God. Sometimes my experience with God feels painful. And it's heavy. But he's carrying me. So I need to lose all conceptions. Um, chop wood and carry water for me. Um, it's about really doing God's work without looking for a spotlight or applause for doing it. I'm in the field. I'm plowing the field. I'm chopping wood. I'm carrying water. I got calluses on my hands. My nails are dirty and I'm sweated up and, and, and working hard all for his glory. And I'm not looking around to see who's watching me do it. I'm just doing it because it pleases him. And in pleasing him, I seem to be able to help others and sleep at night. Thank you, Raquel. Oh, Michelle P., come on up. Hi. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hi, my name is Michelle. I'm an alcoholic. Thank you, Peter, for sharing. Um, I had a whole bunch of stuff. I, I, I'm also the front door person, so... I kind of get distracted, and um, I, uh, I think when you were talking about, you know, you like each day, like you know, the old saying of "live each day as if, as if it was were your last," and um, that no tomorrow, <clears throat> excuse me, tomorrow's not guaranteed. And I, um, I've been blessed in Alcoholics Anonymous for forty eight years, and I've sponsored many women over the years, and. I don't know. There's certain women that have, I, I only can put it this way, that they left foot, footprints on my heart. Not that they all didn't, but some were deeper than others. And there were two particular women that I had completely, completely dropped out of sight. I had no way of contacting a family member or anything. And I don't know why God, you know, said, you know, this was something that was weighing heavy on me about these two lovely, lovely, beautiful women that I love so much. And I know that may sound silly, but I Googled them and I couldn't find them. And um, I've tried contact reaching out to, to their families. Nothing was working. And the other night I went to, I put their names in and I put the word obituary after it, and I found the two of them both passed away. And uh, I, I thank God that they were put in my life. I, you know, I one died at fifty-five, one died at sixty-six. I know they were both back out in the the other side of the on my life, and um. But I thank God for putting them in my life and putting that deep footprint in my life, in my heart, because I feel that I had I had a heart of stone when I walked in here. Nobody could put a footprint in my heart. 
And just the feeling of that, the love I felt for these women. And it moved me in a way that is very unusual for me because, you know, it wasn't, I mean, I feel, I feel sad and I felt, you know, those kind of feelings, but overall I felt, I felt very grateful that my heart isn't made of stone anymore and that it affected me and I felt it and I'm okay with it. My husband passed away very suddenly on December 1st and I felt you know, my husband and I were married for 50 years and 54 years together. But, you know, that moment, that moment that I sat out on my deck in December, six degree weather, talking to God and out there. And then one day it hit me. Who's how blessed was I? How blessed was I to have this love of my life for 54 years? How blessed was I to have such a good man. And then it came to me and God just must have, like I always say, I sat out there with the naked trees and the stars because it was so cold and no leaves on the trees. And one night I realized that gratitude was my husband didn't suffer. He went quick. And, you know, all of these things that we learn, I've learned in Alcoholics Anonymous just blow my mind sometimes. And you were blowing my mind with so many things that now my mind is old and I can't remember everything, but I just want to thank you and, and share that story with you about my, my old sponsees that how blessed my heart is not of stone anymore. Thank you. Thank you very much, Michelle. That was great. Uh, uh, Paul A., come on up, share with us. Uh, from Australia. Yep, you're unmuted. Hi, Philip. Uh, Paul, alcoholic. Thank you for a beautiful share, Peter. Uh, I, I this is a wonderful meeting. There's so so much wisdom here, and I, I noticed in the chat one one of the per, one someone wrote, "What you seek is seeking you." And, and I think that's a beautiful thought because, uh, and, and someone else had a picture of The Prodigal Son, which is a magnificent book by Henry Nguyen. Um, and and uh, God is seeking me as I seek God. And it's, it's hard for me to come to terms with that sometimes because um, I fail so miserably. But it, it's, uh, it, it's, I feel inspired Peter and uh, I thank you for your shares and thank you everyone for being here everyone thank you Paul for sure uh, Robert M Stuart Florida come on up real alcoholic my name is Robert Martin and uh, thank you Peter it is, it is so good to see you we, we're so close but we don't get together like we used to and so that I saw you were going to be on here, and I I knew you were going to deliver. You know that that's the one thing I know. And uh, I was thinking when I was here, you know, I lost my mom in, in December, and uh, and my dad was a long time ago. Both of them long time members of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know. And uh, my brother and I were talking, and, and and I felt something when you were when you were talking about the fear and. My mom started to not look at me when I came in the room the last few times. She would turn the other way 
and my brother said he had said something, my father had said that the thing that scared him the most was seeing his children being scared. Mm. That was his biggest fear, that he did not like it, that his children would be, it was so painful. And, and with my own son, I know that to be true now. You know? and, uh, so, uh, you know, fear in all of its forms, man, you know, but I mean, uh, I'm praying for you, brother. I, I know where you're at. Thank you. Love you. Thank you, man. Thank you, Robert. Doug Mack, come on up. Yes, hello. I'm a grateful recovered alcoholic. My name's Doug. And uh, thanks, Peter. It's always a blessing to hear some wise words. I mean, uh, I, I, you inspired me so many times. And, and, you know, every time I hear you, I still listen to your recordings. One of my uh, my mentors, without knowing it, I suppose. I uh, I'd like to say that um, I do have trouble with you know when you talk about being finding yourself being defensive. Uh, some of the meetings I I uh, I attend and I'm part of uh, and I try to participate in the the message of of God and power and it just isn't received as well as <laughs> some of the others to say the blunt. And, uh, and I find myself feeling that I'm wasting my time sometimes, but, uh, and the courage, you know, to stand up and, and keep, you know, uh, saying that, you know, I'm almost like I'm correcting people and I know that's wrong, but uh, I want to know that, uh, you know, saying the serenity prayer in my mind, doesn't seem to be as consoling as it used to be. How, how do you find the courage to actually carry the message in where, you know, it may not be wanted, uh, if you know what I mean? Thank you. My responsibility uh, is to carry the message that was freely given to me without expecting everyone to embrace it and give me applause. I also have a, a job to do, and that's not uh, ram it down someone's throat and uh, take sides. If you're in the big book, you're right. And if you're not, you're wrong. That's not an AA message. So uh, I go deliver as God sees fit. And uh, sometimes they applaud and sometimes they can't wait for me to leave. But um, it's just the, the chopping wood and carrying water all for God and Alcoholics Anonymous. Somebody's got to carry the message. If I'm looking to get fans, I can draw another join another organization. If I'm looking to go to work for God, I stay in Alcoholics Anonymous. I, I remember, uh, you know, going to a meeting and I, I was new. I was just home from Minnesota and I knew this group hated the big book. So I wouldn't talk about the big book so much. I went to another book meeting. They were in the book. So I'm going to talk about the book and I'm living a lie. Can't do that. Wonderful. Thank you, Doug. Calvin, can I ask you to come back up? I think I, uh, I overshot your question there. Is that, is that okay? Uh, no, I was just asking Peter, you know, like when he was talking about his dad, and I was just thinking about my son, and the same kind of fear kicked up, but just a little different, you know. But uh, and I and 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 it's okay because I did the same thing he was talking about doing. I just leaned into God, right? But I know that I still feel having fears a lot. They they creep up on me, you know. And uh, when somebody that I love is in trouble, 
you know? And so I was just wondering, you know, what did, how did you see that, Peter? You know, and how did how do you deal with that? What I've been doing uh, is having a lot of conversation with Marion, a lot of conversation with my brothers. Uh, and um, I'm praying, it, it isn't about me. Uh, my dad's laying in the hospital bed. It isn't about me. It isn't about me being sad or frustrated. It's about sending prayers uh, to my dad and God's going to do what God's going to do. Um, um, I just, I want my dad around for a long time, but God might have other plans. So, you know, it's about allowing my dad to have whatever he needs to walk through that next door and not be afraid. Yeah. Thank you, Peter. Very sorry, Calvin. I uh, got distracted just from last year. My apologies. That's all right, Phil. I love you, man. Thank you, buddy. I love you, too. Uh, Freddie M., come on up. Hey, Peter. Hey, how you doing? Listen, I just want to thank you. And uh, I'm going to definitely make prayer for your dad. And I'm so sorry to hear that he's not doing well. And uh, I uh, I get to have you in my life. But I just want to let you, one of the things that you always taught me was uh, always practice forgiveness no matter what. And, uh, and I know, in a sense, you also taught me how to be a God influence in other people's lives. And... Uh, that just speaks volumes to me. I, every time I uh, talk to you or get to see you, uh, it's definitely an amazing connection that you have with the higher power. And I hope someday that, you know, I could walk the way you walk. I just want to thank you again. Love you. Thank you, Freddie. Janine, come on up. Hey, everybody. I'm Janine. I'm an alcoholic. And Peter, thank you so much for your uh, time and your service today and all your other service that you do in Alcoholics Anonymous. It's, uh, it's always obvious when you hear somebody uh, that uh, is uh, doing the walk, even if you've never met them. Uh, my question maybe that just kind of made me think was when they said uh, you lean into God. And so I wanted to know what does that look like? Uh, in like actions for you when you lean into God uh, in your life? Um, figuratively leaning into God. What I mean by that is I'm, I'm throwing myself uh, at his feet, so to speak. I'm, 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 I'm begging for courage, for strength, direction, and get mm. out of the way. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you, Janine. Ron K. Doylestown, come on up. Thanks, Ron. I'm an alcoholic. I didn't have my hand up. Pete, thanks. Great job. You know, I'm, I'm listening to the, the similarities in our stories. And, you know, uh, I just lost my father about five weeks ago. Uh, four weeks ago, I got diagnosed with cancer. They give me chemotherapy. Uh, I lost my hair. Nah, that's a joke. Um, but, you know, life on life's terms. And when you talked about uh, you're talking about a you know, relationship with God and I have to rely on him day in and day out. And I'm able to walk through life. You know, reality is no longer a scary place. And um, 
my goal is to have unconditional love for everybody on the planet. And if I can get there, I, I can stay unaffected by, by people. You know, I just love them to death. And, and that's an amazing journey. And, and it's just great to be around people that are always, you know, looking at the, the literature, trying to apply it and live it. And the challenges that come along with that along the journey, you know, all I can say is it's been a series of surrenders through my life and get to a place called surrender where you're like, God, run the world. And, you know, I always say, <laughs> you ask alcoholics, like, you know what the number one problem in the world is today? The fact that people think there's a problem in the world today. My world's perfect. I'm alive. I wake up when I wake up. Uh, if I get up, it's a beautiful day. I said, I'm going to have one bad day in my life. That's the day I wake up dead. And uh, until that, I'm going to enjoy this journey and I'm going to suck everything it has out of it. It's been giving me a lot for a long time. So I got no complaints and, uh, you know, great meeting. And it's good seeing all you guys and all the people that are here and keep doing what you're doing and because it impacts people. It really does. It's a ripple effect. You may not hear it, but the people that are sitting in the meeting, they may not have put their hand up, maybe too feared up, whatever the case may be. Uh, but it's impacting them, and they need to hear that if you completely give yourself to the simple program, the rewards are boundless. I mean, just they just keep coming. I, I honestly got to say, a hundred times, you know, in this journey, I must have said to myself, "Could never get any better than this. This is as good as it's going to get." And uh, each time. More is revealed. There's more challenges, more growth, more freedom, more surrenders. And we laugh, we cry, we lose people. And then new people come in. And the, I always go back to the, like, the, the movie, The Lion King, The Circle of Life. You know, we're, we're here for a little bit of time. What are you going to do with your time? You know, when, when somebody comes to you, when a doctor comes to you and says, Ron, you know, you've got seven days to live, you know. Am I going to be full of regret or am I going to say, okay, I did the best I could with what I had to work with and I'm perfectly satisfied with that and, and just be at peace and go. And, and, you know, like one of the things when, when Pete was talking about his father, my father's like six, two big guy. And in the end, you know, like, just like Pete, I didn't recognize him. It was, it ripped my heart out. I mean, it's, it's painful, you know, again, um, I, you know, in, in a way I was like, please end the suffering, take them now, you know, People that do die suddenly, I'm, I'm like, wow, they got they got lucked out. You know, they, the end usually isn't pretty for any of us. You know, so when somebody dies, especially an alcoholic, I was just in an Al-Anon meeting today, and I was saying, you know, when an alcoholic dies, I mean, that's a good thing. Their suffering's over. Okay, now the families and they they have to mourn that loss, and it's extremely painful. But their suffering's over, and I understand that experientially at the hand of alcoholism and. Um, Anyway, I don't want to take up too much time, guys. Thanks for having me. Pete's good to see you. We got to get back up to detail. They need you. Great chair, Ron. Thank you very much. ADG, uh, come up, come on up. Hi, I'm Eddie. I'm an alcoholic. And I um, just wanted to say thank you, Peter, very much. I don't have any questions for you, but I do want to say one thing. You talked about the St. Francis prayer and being a channel of his peace. Well, I obviously know you and, and I know many people that know you. And I don't know if you know this, but when you share, Peter, you are a channel of his peace and you touch people's lives. And I've seen people's lives change, mine included. And I'm blessed to have you in my life as well. And I love you. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you, Eddie. Uh, Claudia G, come on up. Yeah, it's you. <laughs> Gosh. Um, thank you, Peter. It's nice seeing you. 
Um, I always love your shares. It's it's really, um, I really needed to have this 11th step um, right now because uh, I have no control of anything that's going around outside of me. And so I am putting all I can in my faith in, in God and, and uh, giving it over and helping somebody else, right? So to get out of myself, my thoughts, and um, I really, uh, really enjoyed your share because I got a lot of things and I hope I don't, it's like, I'm going to probably get forget it tomorrow, but it was really a lot of good um, information. Uh, so I'm just taking it all in. So I don't have any questions, but thank you again for your service. Thank you, Claudia. Allie, come on up. Everybody, Ali Alcoholic, brother, thank you so much for uh, for yet another beautiful, powerful share. I just I just love how you so unapologetically <laughs> and humbly talk about a relation, your relationship with this loving God and having people like you in my life has uh, and sharing like that and living like that has allowed me to explore that loving relationship with the God of my understanding. So I want to thank you for that. And my question is. Uh, I'm always in because you're always one of those people that's very current and you talk about what's current in your life. Uh, just wondering uh, if you can maybe share with us what are your current morning devotion practices and throughout the day practices. I'm really interested to hear that. Sure. Um, I'm up early, as uh, some of you guys know, um, 4 a.m., 5 a.m. late is a sleeping day for me. Uh, and I come right in here um, and I have my little what I call an altar over there, my meditation mat. And my I begin with uh, praying in the morning and uh, I go into meditation. I have some anointing oil and holy water that I use. And I have, let me see what I have here. I'm currently working with uh, God Calling. Um, this book by, his name is Oswald Chambers, um, a friend from... Um, Arizona gave me this. Um, I read uh, a little bit from New Seeds of Contemplation, uh, one of my favorites. And I have, <laughs> where is it? Uh, this other book called Grace for Today. And these are books that I'm, it's the little one page things uh, that I like. And um, they center me. It kind of gets all the noise that's about to start because the day's, you know, going to take on and who's going to do what and who's not going to show up. And so I, I, I pray meditation. I do a little bit of this reading. It's a page or so each. And um, then when I'm done with all of that, before I head out and do a run or make coffee or, or uh, go to the gym, um, I like to listen to a lot of stuff. And I'll be quite frank with you as a handful of uh, uh, AA speakers that I listen to, um, a lot of what I listen to is, we'll call it spiritual religious. Um, I, I, it feeds my soul. It has for a while, but I still have some of my, you know, top 10 AAs. I think seven of them alone, no longer with us. Um, and, um, then I head out, uh, I make some coffee, have some coffee and I'll head out to, uh, the gym and um, or run when I come back. Um, 
Marion's up and I bring her coffee and then what then I'm saying is for this reason it's part of the practice and then what we get to do is um sit down have coffee together uh often Marion will tell me how her prayer went she might ask me she calls it how's the world as Pete sees it today and um we'll also which is really cool talk about um our plans for the day the moving parts um who's where are we going what are we doing things like that and also uh anything uh that needs to be discussed before it gets mold on it and then it turns into a big disagreement if any of that stuff comes up we'll talk you know uh and so we're, we're walking out the door light with a heavy world out there we're walking out light so it's, 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 um, I was taught a long time ago, my life should be a walking prayer, not just on awakening and retiring at night. It should look like a walking prayer, a direct reflection of God's will and really be an agent for God. I fall short. I stumble over my own feet sometimes, but that's my goal. So it's a little bit of what I do in the morning. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Peter. It's a great place to, uh, to, end, to end our meeting. And I will uh, now pass it back to Teresa. Uh, 